This is episode number 135 of Patrick Jones Baseball, and on this episode, we have Nunzio Signore. Nunzio is currently a the owner of a facility in out, right outside of New York City called RPP Performance. Um, he's actually only been training baseball players for only 10 to 12 years, and he's 55 years old. So we kind of get into... Uh, why the sudden change from um, you know focusing on training training people in the private sector to focus solely on becoming obsessed with training baseball players? Um, we get into velocity based training, um, K vest, um, how he's been able to kind of grow um, as a coach, and and some of the resources that he's used to help him grow. Um, I want to let um, all of you know that I'm going to be coming out with a high school coaches course. Um, this is going to be how to um, basically implement the new uh, technology, the new techniques and everything into your program. And as a high school coach myself um, this past year and the year before, I understand the time and space constraints. Um, I understand that the problem a lot of times I see on social media is all these words are thrown around and nobody even knows what they mean. And a lot of what's out there is kind of gauged more towards the college or professional coach. And uh, sometimes I, I think that, you know, there's so many good high school coaches out there. I wanted to make sure that they weren't felt left behind, that they were still up to speed with everything. So in this course, I really made sure to break down everything as simply as possible. Um, I explain all the different metrics that are out there, you know, use blast motion. I explain every metric on there, how to use it, what they mean, what ranges you should look for, and corrective drills to help with that. I give also give other drills that are just going to help with regular hitting. Um, I even bring on, because I believe that the old school does still have a lot of value, I brought on my good friend George Foster and we sat down and we had a um, there's a video on there of me interviewing him for about a half hour that's going to be on the course as well and there's also a pitching segment as well so we get into you know I brought on someone else Scott Stalker who is the uh, you know pitching coach at Moore High School and you know he's he's the best that I know um, around here and he just he really does an awesome job explaining again pretty simply um, what everything means what the metric means how to coach and train players in this era but do it um, in a in a time and space constraint because again that's that's the high school coaches uh, that's the hardest thing is is dealing with that so be on the lookout for that that should be out um, I would say within the next month maybe a little bit longer but I'll make sure to update you guys um, as it goes on so back to the, today's episode um, here we have Nunzio Signore All right, we are now live with Nunzio Signore. Nunzio, thanks for coming on today. Absolutely. So uh, can you give everyone a little bit, maybe a, a background on yourself? you got an interesting background. You're not, you, you're not the typical. You've been in baseball your whole life. Um, so just give everyone just a brief background. That'd be awesome. I, uh, my background is I've been an athlete all my life. I was a soccer player. Um, I... Never played baseball past the age of 15. I grew up in a very, um, I grew up in a predominantly ethnic, my mother and father are from Italy, and uh, I played soccer going through school. And when I got out of school, I decided that I wanted to train athletes. And I started, I started back in uh, 
probably 20 years ago, um, training all athletes. Um, you know, then I got my CSCS and, and, and I started training all athletes. And then I started, uh, deciding that training baseball players was, um, a very cool niche because of the complexities of the shoulder and how unstable of a, of a joint it is, what happens there, um, and the elbow. And, um, you know, I felt like if you know enough about what you're doing about the shoulder, you can separate yourselves from the guys who maybe might not be willing to take that risk. Um, and I saw the success that Eric Cressy was having. He was a big influence on me. Um, at first he's been a great help. He's a friend and I talked to him and, uh, I, I saw it worked great for him. He was a tennis player. And uh, he, he as well, he brought up a great point. He said to me one day, I've spent so much time reading about baseball players because it didn't come naturally to me because I wasn't a baseball player. And it's exactly, if I said, if I'm going to decide to play train baseball players, I have to read everything I know about baseball. And I have to, and then I think that a lot of times, um, you know, coaches get comfortable that they know baseball so well that they don't really try to look at the inside out of it from the body. And me being a body guy, I look at it from the inside out. And um, I decided to open Rockland Peak Performance about nine years ago. Uh, about four years into that, I partnered up with a guy. The business started growing and it became too big for just me. And I partnered up with my partner, Baram Shirazi. And uh, he's a great businessman and a great mind. And he's really great at crunching numbers and, and collecting data. And it was a good match, you know. He filled in the blanks. I'm, I'm, I wasn't a great business guy. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, you know, I'm a coach. I'm a strength and conditioning coach, and um, it was a great marriage, you know. He, he filled in our, my blanks. I filled in his. He allows me to do what I do, and um, I allow him to do what he does. And then, um, you know, we decided we were going to put mounds in our place. It was just a strength and conditioning facility. And then I decided to put mounds in about seven years ago, six years ago, and then I put pitching hitting tunnels in, and um, it started to, it started working great. And um, you know, people people like to compare us. They're like, "Wow, you guys have like it's like it's like a cross between Cressy Performance and Driveline. It's a very very interesting um, hybrid." And that's kind of what it is. You know, we use a lot of data, but we use a lot of old school techniques as well. I I, I really believe that you got to kind of blend the two. And um, now we just, our lease is up and we're moving into the mecca of baseball in Bergen County and we're immersing ourselves with 360 degree clientele. We're starting in November 1st and we're really looking forward to that. And uh, that brings us to here. You know, the most interesting, I think, thing about your kind of your journey is how, you know, you, you were saying uh, before we started recording, you're 55 years old right now, but you've only been doing this baseball for, what, 10, 12 years. So, right, that's, I mean, that's in, that's kind of insane to me. Like, what, in a good, in a good way, in, in a good way. Um, like, what, what were you doing or where were you working at from the time you were, got done in college, you got your uh, CS, 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 and then moved on? I was working in the private sector. I was working at Equinox. I was working at the New York and Philadelphia sports clubs. And I was working in high-end training places where you're training not only just athletes, but you're training um, adults as well. And then it started to happen that, um, you know, I was training all the athletes at these places. And I started actually only training kind of like the hardcore weekend warrior adults. 
And I started, I, I started, honestly, I just started to burn out on um, the corporate environment. And um, I did that for, uh, you know, 10 years prior to that, you know, um, so or 15 years prior to that. So I, um, I decided I was going to open my own place. And one of the guys that I, uh, one of the guys that I was training, um, he actually owned the, owned a building and I went into there and, um, from there I went to here and then from here I'm going to Paramus. So it did, I started in the private sector, um, and I started training both athletes and parents. And then I kind of decided that I just really wanted to move to athletes. And then from athletes, I decided I just wanted to move to baseball. When you um, first started out, just or just like going into baseball, um, what resources? I know you talked about Eric Cressy, but like, were there other like specific books or just resources or people you would talk to that really helped you gain that knowledge? Uh, I went. I went to the. I remember I went to the Texas Baseball Ranch for a while. Um, I went down there for about a week, a week and a half, and I, I hung out with Ron Wolferth. I called him up and. And I watched how he analyzed pitchers, um, and I noticed that you know he himself has a degree in kinesiology, and um, I liked his approach of how he analyzed pitchers, and I thought that, that was a really great thing to, for me to add to my strength and conditioning repertoire. Um, likewise, I went to Eric, and um, you know Eric continues to be one of the major guys that I bounce things off of. He's always very generous with information. Um, he's, I just talked to him yesterday about building a med ball wall in my new place. Um, and um, those two guys were uh, very, very open to having me uh, come in and train with them as far as in regards to training baseball players. I know I learned a lot from Matt Blake, who is now the uh, head of development and operations over at the Cleveland Indians. He was at Cressy's at the time. And uh, other than that, it's really, um, it's really all me, you know, just, just everything I've learned from uh, reading and biomechanics and, and, and all that. I've pretty much, other than that, other than schooling and those two guys, um, I, I pretty much have done it all myself. You know, I, I do, I do look at, uh, data-driven places like driveline now recently the guys that i look at now um you know i look at driveline baseball um uh as far as just like they have the they have the more advanced data to um ways to collect data so their numbers that they get are really great they have large uh sample sizes so it helps me um i really really uh i like the work that justin stone's doing on the hitting side um and uh you know I just started. I, I'm the, just just having a just having a background in knowing the body. I really feel gives you a jump on um, on trying to figure out the best way to train baseball players and any athlete in general. When it comes to throwing a baseball or actually getting behind the plate and actually swinging a baseball bat, um, I have my coaches that do that. But as far as what we're going to talk about today, as far as the analytics and the biomechanics and looking at things and the assessments and strength and conditioning and all that, um, I, I do all that. And, and I pretty much hand them a, a schematic of what to do. And then they take it from there and they give them game time experience from their experience. 
what what drives you? I mean, I can just tell by like how enthusiastic and and just how much energy you have right now. Like, what what do you have a goal? Is there an end goal for you, or like what what gets you going every day? My my end goal is to never get bored with what I'm doing till I die. That's my end. That's my end goal. If I can just constantly um, be um, stimulated mentally. I love it. Um, I read constantly. I read every day. I work tireless hours, um, you know, and as I get older, I, I do less and less of that. But my daughter just recently, uh, shout out to my daughter, Maya. She just recently left for her first year of college. So now it's just me and my wife sitting here staring at each other. And I find that I have even more time on my hands now. So um, I'm always, always researching and researching and researching. And that's what drives me. That's just um, I love, I love taking on a new project. Um, you know, the hitting has really kicked my butt in the last two years. You know, that's really, I've immersed myself, um, after pitching, I went in and I just immersed myself in hitting and, um, you know, I continue to immerse myself in strength training and pitching and hitting, hitting being the, my, my newest couple years now, my newest, uh, challenge. What have you found, um, by researching hitting that it's the hardest thing I've ever done. <laughs> it's, it's much harder than pitching. <laughs> it's much harder than pitching. It's just, you know, with pitching, you know, you're kind of throwing from a, you're throwing from a similar point. You could take as much time as you want. Um, there's no time constraint on you. Uh, as far as hitting goes, you know, where is the ball? Uh, how fast is it? Is it an off-speed pitch? Is it high? Is it low in the zone? Is it away? Is it, you know, so there are no apps. There's, there's a lot less absolutes um, in hitting and, um, you know, wrapping my head around it without actually hitting. Um, at times I do envy the guys. Like I, I imagine you probably played baseball, correct? Yep. Right. So I envy the guys like you who can actually mentally put yourself behind the plate with a baseball bat in your hand when you're talking about anal analyzing hitting. Um, I have to do that. Uh, I have to do that without ever swinging a baseball bat. And I think that sometimes it's a little limiting, but that's why I have great guys that work with me because I really just feel like my responsibility to the athlete is to get find out, is this a movement issue? Is this a strength issue? Is this a mechanical issue? And then from that point on, if it's a mechanical issue, I want to send my coach, I want to send my hitting instructor or my pitching coach, I want to send them the most mobile, strong athlete that I can. Um, and that's basically, um, you know, that's what I do after analyzing the mechanics of it. I, they basically have a, a told, like I said, I, they, I basically give them a blueprint. Here's what's going on. And then they, they take it from there and they, and they talk to the kid, um, you know, ball player to ball player. So over the, well, the past couple of years that you've been studying hitting, um, do you feel like where where are you at right now? Do you feel like you have a pretty good grasp on hitters? I do. I I do feel like I have a pretty good grasp on it. Um, I feel like you know I'm very very confident about it. Uh, there are things I'd like to learn better. Um, I'm learning them, but I guess everybody's like that, right? So oh, yeah. if, if you think you got if you think you got it all figured out, I mean uh, that's just not a good sign. No. Um, so, uh, yeah, I think, I think I have a pretty good grasp on it. Um, what I'm really, what I'm, what I'm really, really trying to sink way deep into is I'm trying to 
um, associate kinematic sequencing with body issues, not mechanical issues, but figuring out how that transfers over to what I'm seeing on video and then taking those two things and breaking them down from the assessment on the table, from the strength assessment. Um, we could talk about that if you want. Like yeah. when a kid walks in, what do we do from day from from minute one? Yeah, well, let's, you know let's I mean? do that. I actually I've been reading a lot of your um, articles lately. I have a K vest as well. And so I've been reading a lot of your articles. You've been putting out some great stuff lately, by the way. Um, but yes, thank um, you. One of the things that I've been seeing is, you know, a lot of the people who struggle to go from anterior to posterior pelvic tilt, like if they're just going like doing kind of like that pelvic tilt screen that TPI on base U does, that shows yeah. up on um, that pelvis bend graph where from, you know, heel strike to first move, they're not able, they're not going into posterior, they're actually going into more of an anterior, and that causes their their uh, torso forward bend to, co to come over even more. Um, anything particular that you've seen, just kind of based off, have you seen that first off, and is there anything else you've kind of seen too? Yes, yeah, so, so actually, I, I have... I have highlighted over the course of maybe 50 kids between the ages of 15. Um, I don't get crazy with a K-Vest with 13-year-olds and 14-year-olds. Um, I, I, I'm under the impression that those kids, um, we need to just, A, they need to enjoy themselves. We'll put the K-Vest on them. I don't actually collect that data too much at 13 years old because I, I generally, have, from what I've seen, that's a strength issue and mobility issue from, from square one. Right. That's just that's I'm not really worried about that. But kids 15 to 25, um, I have highlighted like I have found like there's probably six or seven um, issues in the that I've located with KVEST and at the kinematic sequencing that I've seen probably in 50 guys. I've seen in probably 48 of them all have at least five of these eight. And one of them is pelvic bend at first move. That's like um, that is that is probably one of the biggest ones. You know, they're 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 either steep, they're too steep in their pelvic bend, yeah. but more that I find is they're they're too upright. So what what happens is it depends upon the pitch. I mean, you know, a, a pitch further and away, generally those guys in low, um, they're going to get more to like thirty five degrees of of that of that pelvic bend as opposed to like fifteen to twenty. But I find a lot of guys are less than even 10 to 15. Those guys don't have a lot of room to actually transfer that, that force from their pelvis up into their core at contact. So they don't have a lot of room to actually go, to go into hip extension and create that, that transfer of force into the, into the uh, core, into their torso. Um, that was one of them. Another one, pelvic, like you were saying, you, you called them. Um, you know, pelvic side bend, that's another one that I see um, at heel strike and first move. Um, and also torso, uh, torso bend at contact um, because you said of their pelvis being so anteriorly tilted, it brings them over. A lot of those guys at heel strike, they get so low that they have to come up out of their, like they don't make it at contact. They don't make it back to a, to a nice, like almost, almost kind of upright position to, 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 to better rotate on, um, their, their torso on and their spine. And the guys that do make it up there from a really, really deep bend, those guys, usually I notice they're just coming up and out of their swing really quick. 
and um, they're not creating a good swing path, swing plane, you know. So that was they're the ones, um, you know, torso side bended heel strike, torso side bended first move, uh, torso rotation at heel strike and first move. A lot of guys are a lot of kids really, you know, they they they're they're over they're overly uh, counter rotating, and they're they're I see them really winding up. And it, and it makes them makes them go makes them go early with the top side. So that's uh, that's another thing that I notice. What do you uh, so we're talking a lot about the kind of the, the four other graphs outside of the kinematic sequence graph. What do you is there certain things that you've seen on just the kinematic sequence graph that you're able to take and, and tweak a little bit? Um, I'm can um. So like, so okay. It, I'll, let me explain. Let me ask that a different way. So we're talking about like. Right now, like, but right before we were talking about the pelvis bend graph, torso side bend, things like that. But when just looking at the kinematic sequence graph, right, where you can't really necessarily see all the the pelvis side bend, but you can oh, see I, the yeah, yeah, I got you. you see what yeah, I'm yeah, saying? Yeah. Deceleration, yeah, yeah, yeah. If are they decelerating properly? Yeah, I look to see. I look to see how steep that deceleration is. I look to see where they are between first move and contact with their pelvis. We kind of like to see that a little closer to foot to, to first move. A lot of the young kids, the loose movers, the Gumby the Gumby type kids, they take a little bit longer to get there. Um, and you, you notice that they have really quick times to contact. It's another thing I look at. Um, but because they're going arms first, um, and then you look at the kinematic sequence, and they're like their pel. I don't know if you've seen this before, but a lot of young kids, their pelvis, their torso, and their 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 barrel they, they like kind of all peak at the same time like right at contact yeah they're all and on top of each other they're all on top of each other and really late you know because i and, and to me that's a kid who needs to get a little tighter spring you know needs to tighten up the springs a little bit and that's a strength to me that's a strength training issue there's no uh i don't think you can hammer yourself to your blue in the face with a kid to get his mechanics to get him, um, you know, to to decelerate and to um, sequence efficiently. But if you're not getting him to move better and he doesn't have the strength to stabilize his his hip, it, 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 his leg, at heel strength to get a good block, to get good rotation in his hips, um, that's all going to start to happen late. They kind of they just kind of leak everywhere, you know. And by the time it all comes together, they're at the ball. So, you know, getting getting kids strong to me is like taking a screwdriver and just like tightening everything up, you know, getting getting these type of kids to, you know, a lot of guys will say you got to stretch, you got to stretch. Um, not a kid who's really a loose mover. You do not want to stretch a kid who's a loose mover. That's like banging your head against the wall. Uh, always says banging your head against the wall to get medic. It doesn't work. It's making it worse. Um, I don't have any experience with kids younger than 13, but mostly a lot of bridging with weight or glute ham raises for strengthening and waking up the glutes, single leg squats to teach them to hinge. Um, and then as far as mobility, you know, like I love, I love cat camels. Um, I love, there's, there's this one drill that I use. Um, I call them straight leg turns where I, uh, I kind of put the, I put my foot up on a step 12 inch box and I kind of move my torso back and forth on, and to, to teach the, uh, separation of the hips and, um, and pelvis, I mean the pelvis and the torso while the, uh, pelvis is in a nice stable, um, extended full pelvic bend why don't you train anybody under the age of 13 
Uh, just because that's our business model. Um, we truly, uh, we truly believe that. Um, you know, basically, my my background is strength and conditioning, and um, you know, we don't really. I don't. I don't have. I don't lift any kids under the age of thirteen, uh, and I think that's a safe age to start lifting kids if you know what you're doing. Um, and if you come into my facility, uh, you can see that I have a five thousand square foot weight room. Um, you know, and the tunnels are around the weight room. Um, I believe that we're building athletes from the inside out, and we're building them from a, from a mobility and strength training standpoint to begin with. So uh, for me. That starts at 13, and and the other reason is because there's a lot of guys that train little kids way better than I do. I don't have a lot of experience with it, and um, it's not something that I really I got I got a pretty full plate at this moment, um, and it's not something I really want to start to try to get good at at this point in my life. There's so many guys that are really good at it. Um, it's better off that they just do it. So you still think that those the kids under 13 should be doing some sort of functional strength um, work? 100%. I would say probably just learning learning correct movement, playing multiple sports. But in the, in the gym, learning correct movement, body weight stuff, you know, using a TRX, using push-ups, um, things that have, have body weight, things where they're not putting a load on the spine or the joints while their growth plates are still open. Um that's I, I absolutely believe that you get a kid at 11, 10, 11, 12 years old that learns how to move and he comes into my place at 13 and already has a background of movement. Then we're, we're, we're way ahead of the game. Um, one of the things that I've seen you talk a little about as well as velocity based training. What is that yes. and how does that help? Okay, velocity-based training is using bar speed and body speed. Um, as a correlation to your one rep max. It allows us to work in zones to train specifically the adaptation we're looking for. So um, in the early part of the um, off season for baseball players, we want to train, we want to get them as strong as possible. We want to work in an absolute strength zone. And that's generally 85 to 95% of their one rep max. Um, that correlates to a bar speed. And they wear, they'll wear a linear, uh, they'll wear a accelerometer on their arm, or they'll use a linear transducer, such as um, a gym aware or a tendo unit. We use push bands on the forearm. Um, we have about 12 of them in our facility. The kids come in, they leave a driver's license or a set of keys, and they put them on their, <clears throat> they put them on. And I have, I have bar speeds built in to our programs on the floor. So a kid. When he's when I give him a trap bar deadlift, I'll tell him you're looking for four five to five five meters per second, and he'll put the bar the band on, and he'll put the app on his phone, and he'll go and four five to five five that correlates roughly to about an eighty five to ninety percent of a one rep max, eighty to ninety percent of one rep max, and that way I know that he's not lifting too light and under training, or he's lifting too heavy. Because a lot of guys will try to put more weight on the bar than they actually should be using, and they'll start getting bad form. Um, this kind of tells you. This is like a GPS. Um, it kind of tells you where to go and how much weight to put on. If you're not making that speed, the weight's too heavy. If you're moving that bar too fast, then there's not enough weight on the bar. And it's a really great way to let let us know. And one rep maxes they can they can change from day to day up to about 18 to 20 percent. Um, too slow. 
And if you're moving the same amount of weight you moved three days ago slower, then today we need to take some weight off. Or if you're feeling good, maybe we need to put weight on. It's the way we can, you know, it's the way we can auto-regulate from day to day and get the best possible results. Okay, so it's just, it, it's essentially, it allows you to kind of take the guessing out of how that athlete is feeling, right? It's not, it just tells you essentially, not necessarily tell, well, it kind of does tell you, just the numbers show, you know, where they're at strength-wise for that day. Yes, and it tells them how much weight to put on the bar, and it also gives them external cueing, and it builds a competitive environment when they see a number and they don't make it. They have one chance in the next set to actually make that number, and it makes them go harder. And we just have to stress that you can go harder, but not at the expense of form. So we watch their form, and they go harder. And what I find is kids are popping weights that are far beyond what they would if they were just uh, using rate of perceived exertion. You know what I mean? If they were just guessing, ah, oh, that's about that's about eighty-five percent. You know. Um, and it's, it's a, it's a way safer for me. It's a way safer way to go. So uh, obviously, but you would do this beforehand, but when they first go in, walk into your gym for the first time, I assume there's some sort of assessment that you, you do like, what, what does yours look like? We go through the assessment for about 40 minutes on the table, checking all ranges of motion. And then we go to over to a jump mat where we do a jump profile and we see if they are more elastic or if they rely more on the elasticity or they more or they more uh, rely on muscle contraction. Um, and that tells us what we're going to do plyometrically in the weight room and for ground contact time and ground reaction to train ground reaction forces. From there, they go into the tunnel cage and we'll put them on a K vest and we'll throw 15 pitches. We'll throw like five up, five in the middle, five low to see, um, you know, how they react and how they how they their adjustability to pitches. And we film it. From there, I'll take the video and the, and the case sequence results, and I'll lay out the results of the, uh, the re- lay out the results of the physical assessment and say, I'm seeing a guy losing posture in his linear move. Um, I'll, I'll look and I'll see, okay, is, is he having the T-spine mobility or spine disassociation problems? It could be his hip mobility or stability. It could be his shoulder mobility, stability. And I'll look at the results of the table assessment and I'll see which of those issues shakes free in his assessment that he has. And I will give him correctives movement wise for, for that. You know, whether it's a bird dog or it's a dynamic band pull aparts or, or, or something like that. Um, and then from there, I'll also um, prescribe him um, stuff in the weight room that will help these issues behind the plate. Like you were ta- we were talking about deadlifting if he's not losing his glutes or if he's not posting up or if he's leaking out the front knee or he can't get out of his backside and he's hanging back, um, you know, and if it's a strength issue. And then um, I'll prescribe some K, K drills, K, KVS drills um, for him that we can we see that we see where he's leaking in his sequence. Uh, maybe it's maybe it's between heel strike and first uh, pelvis side bend between heel strike and first move or maybe it's pelvis rotation at contact. Um, and I'll prescribe that and we'll break his hour apart uh, between mobility first, uh, K drills, then we'll do some blast, which I can't really talk about because that's not my that's not my area. And then he'll throw my pitching coach, my hitting coach will throw some BP and then we'll come out into the weight room and they'll lift. All of our guys that hit with us lift with us. So we actually don't actually take any clients unless they're 13 or 14 years old and at that point 
we are our mission is that within one month we've convinced these parents and the kid that even though you're 13 and 14 years old um we can get you a lot better a lot quicker if you start lifting and we have probably an eight out of ten success rate with that so i would say probably 90 percent of the people in our facility um from 13 up lift if they pitch with us they lift with us if they hit with us they lift with us um, velocities go up, exit velos go up, movement gets better, stability gets better, the post-up gets better, everything gets better, there's not, there's, no one's collapsing, there's a less loss of posture. It's really, really strength-based, you know? Um, go, going back to how your assessment on the table is 40 minutes long, usually I'll, I'll hear of five or ten minutes. Why is yours so much longer and more in-depth? That's what I've always done, um, you know, can I get it to 30 minutes? I can get it to 30 minutes, but it's 30 minutes on the table. Then it's, we do force velocity profiling in the weight room for 15 minutes and we do 15, 10 minutes of jump testing. They're here for about an hour before they even go into the cage. Then they've got another 20, 30 minute assessment in the cage. So their first day here is like an hour and a half to hour and 45 minutes of assessing. And then we can put together a full plan for them. Um, but, the reason it's the reason it's 40 minutes long is because we look at a lot of stuff. We do a full scap, we do a full scapular uh, assessment. It's a little shorter with the with the with the position players. It's a little longer with the pitchers because it's a lot more shoulder shoulder sensitive. What do you think about the uh, TPI on base U screen? Um, I think it's great. There's some things um, they've really uh, they've harnessed. They've harnessed um, a lot of the stuff out of a book. There's a book called Hitting Biomechanics. I don't know if you know that by Bob Keys. Um, it's a great I, I feel like that's a great book. I, I love that book. I've probably read that book three times. I've highlighted the entire thing. Um, I did go to the On Base U and the TPI stuff. Um, I, I, I love it. I think Greg Rose is doing a great job. Um, it's, for me, being a very... Uh, body oriented guy i like it but as as well um i go way more in depth as at, at at assessing kids than they do um i like the way they break down the mechanics of the swing but i honestly my mechanical assessment is more like the mechanical assessment that that um bob keys talks about in his i really like that one where i look at the balance and posture first time through then i go and i look at the linear phase and then i go back and i look at the rotational phase i look at those phases um in three different times i'll look at that swing three different times to, to look at three different things that i'm looking at in the swings okay what do you just use like your like a, a phone for video when you're doing your assessment uh, we, have, we have video analysis we have kind of a, a camera setup like driveline does um where we can film the pictures for overhead back front and both sides um with we only have one setup from the side uh with the hitter um, I would love to have another one. They're just expensive. I film from the back with the camera, with a, with a phone, and I get the side with a with a camera. And then I drop that into Right View Pro, and um, I can draw lines and I can take angles and I can look at different things with Right View Pro. I, I I love that software. Awesome. Yeah. No, I I do. I like that as well. Um, anything else you think that uh you'd like to add maybe to, to, to someone out there who's listening who's a coach or even a player that could possibly help them um the thing that the, the, the biggest thing that I uh, two things 
is from from a strength and conditioning standpoint, the thing that I've seen um, make the biggest difference in the velocity of how hard my guys throw um, and how hard my guys hit the ball um, from a strength standpoint, velocity-based training has changed the game. They can train much closer to what's really, really we're trying to train instead of guessing. And the other thing is really figuring out um, what type of plyometric training, um, getting their ground reaction times to be faster in the weight room. That has been the biggest game changer in my business and my success with athletes um, so far. And um, the things that KVEST is doing right now um, and uh, BLAST and Hit Tracks and, and Rhapsodo, it's all really, really great. Um, you know, putting it all together is the next step. Um, there's a couple companies that are trying to do that right now. That's get, that's really exciting. Um, and uh, when we can get it, when we can get all this info um, into one database and kind of like look at it all together, that would be a game changer. Awesome. Nunzio, thanks so much for coming on today, man. Great, man. Thanks for having me.